0: And welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojak here with the record North Shore founding member Joe Coglin. We're back after a little bit of a hiatus here. Uh, I gave you guys a little break um, from hearing our voices every single week. We've got uh, a lot of stuff to talk about in uh, this week's episode of the podcast um, we're going to do our usual four-quarter format, but a little bit differently in this week. Um, in the first quarter, we're going to talk about a couple of, uh, new Trier coaches who will be, uh, leaving after a long time with their respective programs. In the second quarter, we're joined by new Trier football coach, Brian Dahl. In the third quarter, we're not going to play our weekly game of way or no way. Um, we're going to talk football as, uh, we've got some schedules out and some, uh, good uh, in depth conversation that we can get going here in the third quarter. Um, and in the fourth quarter, we'll talk about some odds and ends as well. We had some baseball, some basketball, uh, rugby, water polo happening over the little bit for three weeks since uh, we've talked to you folks. So we've got uh, um, surprisingly a jam packed episode for a uh, summer episode. I guess that's what happens after a couple of weeks. But um, just a quick reminder before we get started here that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Um, Apple, iTunes, Android, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're checking us out. If we're not there, let us know. Um, we'll want to make sure to add uh, the varsity there. Um, leave us a nice little review as well. We always appreciate everybody's positive feedback, but um, let's get started here by talking about a couple of Nutri coaches who uh, uh, will not be uh, leading their respective programs anymore. Um, and let's start with the Nutri boys lacrosse program where um, Tom Herrera. Um, after four months, after um, a group of uh, Nutria Boys across players um, battered at least one of their teammates, um, the Nutria decided to uh, end its relationship with its longtime coach. Um, that in June, the school administration told Korea, um, who coached tri- the Trevians for the past twenty-five seasons, that he would not be um, returning to the program. So, um, Joe, I know you were uh, the first on this story. I mean, just. Um, how surprising is this story? Just based on everything that we knew, Horea didn't coach the um, program at all during the spring. Um, just how surprising was this move and um, just what was kind of the reaction from uh, the new Trier uh, side, especially um, the athletics department?
1: I, I don't know if it was surprising. Um, I think it was pretty predictable. Just the way they handled it in spring season, not only... Was Tom Harala not on the sidelines the whole season? You know, and every time we asked, it was no comment. Um, But they wouldn't say anything about it. You know, they wouldn't um, say, "Oh, you know, he's suspended" or anything like that. So you kind of got a feeling. Um, But of course, we kept checking in, and and uh, it wasn't until a couple weeks after the season where um, you know we kept checking in, and uh, we finally got word back from Harala's camp that yes, he will not be returning, and he had. Um, you know, he told us at the record, he had some, I don't know about hopes. He had, uh, I guess, a bit of hope that, that he might be able to come back, um, but it didn't work out that way. Um, Augie Fontaneta, the athletic director with Nutrier, told us that uh, the coaches there, the incumbent coaches, it's its kind of, it's not an official contract in terms of putting ink to paper. It's more of kind of a verbal, okay, you're coach this year. We'll reevaluate at the end of the year, and you know Tom haral has been living on that for 13 years as head coach, 25 years overall with the program, 13 years as head coach, and uh, this time they just said, you know, uh, you know, we're going in a different direction for the next season. So not entirely surprising, considering the hazing incident that happened in March and the investigation that really put him out of the program for at least the season. Um, it's what's more surprising to me. And I think to, to a lot of um, community members who, who have reached out to us is uh, just the lack of information that was provided throughout the season about where the invest investigation was, where it was going, specifically with Coach Ralla, as well as with some other aspects, but mostly with, you know, what, what's up with the coach. And we cannot definitively say that he was ousted because of the hazing, because they aren't talking to us at all um, the athletics department just confirmed that they're going in a different direction and that uh, they have an open position um, they would not talk uh, about it just like the third of the year about anything else so that's where it is um, you know 13 years as head coach uh, I think seven championships and um, including an IHSA one in 2019 and a couple hundred wins one of the premier programs in the Country really, uh, along with Loyola, their neighbors, they they sit atop the Illinois lacrosse world. Um, I wouldn't say that's going anywhere, but Coach Rolla was certainly a big part of that um, dynamic for for years. So uh, that's kind of the end of that chapter of this story.
0: For the folks at home, make sure you're checking out uh, Joe's story here. A lot of good stuff. But what was the reaction, Joe, from horologists with the video and? everything that kind of happened. What did he kind of tell you? Um, I'm sure it was limited, but just what was kind of the reaction um, that he had kind of with everything that kind of happened this past spring?
1: Yeah, some of the things he really didn't want to get into, you know, his interactions with school officials and things like that, but he he did answer some things on the record, including, you know, when he did see the video, which according to him was um, about a week after the incident-ish, when they found out the video and it was sent to him, um, according to him, he, he helped the school kind of discover it and um, look into it to start before he was sidelined in the investigation. Um, he said it was it was kind of really uh, upset. It was upset and disappointing. And he said he was angry uh, that his players, that some of his players, uh, this was on video at least only a portion of, of the team, a small portion, um, injured, you know, hurt their teammate, like uh, physically w- were violent with the teammate. Um, and, and he said that was disappointing. I asked him if there, if he knew of a history of violent hazing in the program. He said no, absolutely not. Um, so from his side, um, you know, did he's wondering why he was let go? And he told us um, <clears throat> he believes part of it was a disagreement with one of the alleged offenders in the video. And he wanted this individual off the team and the district did not. And that is something we haven't, the district would not talk about either. Um, but according to him, that's one and, and something I don't know if we'll ever know.
0: Well, that's how uh, that story's ending. And I'm sure we'll uh, cover more as uh, we get word of a new coach and that kind of stuff. But um, let's move on over now to another program that is losing a longtime coach, um, Nutrier uh, Boys Hockey Club. Um, the Prep's hockey club cut ties with Bob Melton, um, who for the past 25 years was the hockey's or the program's hockey director and head coach of its premier team, Nutrior Green. Um, Joe, kind of the same way that I started with uh, um, with the lacrosse story, but how surprising was this uh, move? Um, Melton will be moving on, and he'll be leading the Highland Park program. Um, but just how surprising was this move, just based on the success that Melton had at the um, with Nutria Green and the whole Nutria program for a very long time.
1: I think it was, it was surprising in that, uh, in that he was there for so long and he was such a winning coach. Um, but overall, I think if you know, uh, if you got your ear to the ground um, in the sports scene around here, I don't think that's overly surprising. Uh, I think there have been complaints um, or concerns, I should say, Um, nothing overly, um, dramatic, but there have been concerns about his coaching style for a little while and it's, uh, it's not a secret really. Um, but, uh, you know, um, they won a lot of hockey games. It's, it's the premier program in Illinois, not just because of its success, but it's, it's size and scope. I mean, we're talking in some of its bigger years four varsity teams and like a JB team, um, teams like it's fourth varsity team competes against other varsity teams in other areas and, and succeeds. And of course it's green team, um, which is its top level team has, um, kind of its own, um, resume of victories across the state. So, um, <clears throat> you know, Melton told me, uh, he wouldn't really get into, uh, much about it either, just that they were going in a different direction. And, uh, you know, the Nutrier Hockey Club is a club and not affiliated directly with the school or governed by the school. So a lot of these people, it's a private, um, I not sure if it's a nonprofit actually, but, uh, I think a lot of these people are volunteers. So they didn't respond to a lot of questions about why, um, specifically, but, uh, Mel moved on quickly. Bob Melton moved on to the hockey director and head coach of the Highland Park team, um, which is kind of an up and coming program. Um, So um, he was picked up quickly and he's over there now. And um, Nutria High Club just named its his successor. We're hoping to do a story on that soon. And of course, uh, I'm blanking on his name.
0: (laughs) How much do you feel like uh, that will, uh, you know, the the departure of Bob? Um, obviously he led to a lot of success there, but obviously nutrier has got a lot of talented hockey programs and a lot of players. Uh, how, what is that change going to be like um, for neutrier? I mean obviously I know you can't predict exactly um, all the different changes under the new style and new head coach but how different can things be and will kind of ultimately lead to um, maybe a different results on the ice than Nutrier has been used to?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it will. I mean it's just such a talent rich area with talent rich youth programs both in Winneka and in Wilmette. Um, and, you know, even if they're on other, um, other programs that travel or something and then they end up playing for Nutria, this, it's very, very talent-rich, as I said. So I don't know if it'll matter too much. Also, a who's taking over for uh, Melton has been with the program for a few years. Now, it was worthy to you note know, going back a step, that melton's number two see I, I i'm sorry i'm blanking on this I, if you have the story open mike you could help me out his number yeah. two also Bidwell? stepped down um yeah midwell uh, so he stepped down as well and then uh but somebody else in the program took over so they're getting someone who knows the program knows the personnel knows kind of what has made them successful so i don't think you can expect trier to go anywhere and that uh, i'm sure the numbers will stay strong because Uh, Of the success, and and clearly there's something going right there. So um, I don't know if we'll see too much um, decline, if any.
0: All right. Make sure you're keeping up with Joe and the record with all these different news and uh, stories. Um, Check out his work already on uh, the two coaching changes, and check out his future work on um, who is going to be coming in to lead uh, the new uh, hockey program or the be the new leader of the hockey program. But um let's move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by Neutre football coach Brian Dahl. Join now you guys a chance to catch up with Dahl at um uh, 7 on 7 um on Wednesday. What are the folks at home going to hear?
1: Yeah, so football's back. Um we kind of talked about that a little bit um and how uh, they're back on the field. You know only a couple 7 on 7s so we caught up with them versus Loyal Academy and just talking, you know, coach uh Talked about what they're bringing to the field. Nutrier lost a lot to graduation um, in a high powered offense. So, what they're looking for during seven on sevens and some of the guys who they hope to make an impact. All right, let's take a listen. You you guys, I know you've done camp and now you've done a couple seven on sevens. Uh, How's everything looking?
2: Yeah, you know, I I think kind of at the start of this year, we didn't know what we were going to get. We had a lot of graduation uh, numbers and, you know, obviously losing a quarterback that was a three-year starter. So, going into the summer, you know, we were pretty pretty open with a lot of, uh, I'd say, not, non-returning starters I think we all kind of laughed when we were like all right returning starters come up for uh, jerseys that they had last year and we're like oh we only have about two or three of those guys so um started off the summer meeting a lot of new faces a very strong junior group coming in for us and I've been more than pleasantly surprised I think it I think it starts off with just the way they get along um the groups seem to mesh really well which is really important and A lot of coaches will tell you, sometimes juniors and seniors, those first couple weeks can be tricky, but uh, we've had a really, really good luck with that. And then, you know, just kind of having a little bit of a quarterback battle between a sophomore and Patrick Hennigan and Dylan Jeppy a junior, uh, what I love the most about them right now is they're kind of rooting for each other and cheering for each other. And that's been a real pleasant surprise. You don't always get that. Uh, So it's been, like I said, just kind of a really pleasant group and watching a lot of growth happen. And. Our first seven on seven didn't really play maybe uh, the strongest group of teams that we're going to see during the year, but we were very successful in uh, four games against, you know, four teams that got everybody on the field and did well. And then yesterday, playing obviously a, you know, a state powerhouse team in Loyola. And I like that we competed. Obviously, you know, they're a much higher level uh, team than the people we faced on Tuesday. But, you know, I, I liked what I saw yesterday and, a lot of things still to work on, but you know, the compete level was high, and got to find a couple more kids yesterday that really showed us that they are, you know, want, want to be on the field and uh, did some good things for us.
1: Hmm. Who were, Do you want to point those guys out yet? Are we at the point yeah. where you can?
2: No, no, yeah, for sure. So, I think you know, I'll start on offense. You know, we've got you know, obviously, Patrick Hennigan, uh, you know, more recently, he's kind of stepped out a little bit in front. Um, the sophomore quarterback he's done a really nice job for us and then um, you know at receiver we knew Nevin's brother Miles was going to be a a good addition I think what I'm surprised about is you know how athletic he really is so uh, Tuesday night you know just making play after play Uh, and then yesterday you know making some real acrobatic catches even you know a really fun one-handed catch he's made a couple of those this summer where we all kind of stop and go wow that's not something that we can even do, um, but, but uh, he's been—he's—it's been real enjoyable to watch. Kind of him, he's grown, and he has spent a lot of time in the off season developing his game to uh, becoming a really well rounded player. Um, you know, Ben Prouty, another receiver coming back. You know, was kind of one of those kids that got a little playing time last year, but spent the time in the off season in the weight room, and just the last two nights has been you know very consistent uh, as a receiver. And just I've been, you know, impressed with him and what he's done in the offseason to put himself in a position where, you know, right now I can kind of project him out as a starter. Uh, Jackson McCary coming back at running back, obviously, is our fastest kid on our team outside of one other boy that we've got coming in, uh, Charlie Blankstein, who didn't play last year. But Jackson's speed on offense and defense is exceptional uh, and just really, you know, has done a nice job at running back for us. And then Charles Olgas returning for us is going To play probably more offense than defense. You know, last year he played defensive being year before suffering an injury. Uh, this year i will play a little bit more offense. So those are kind of the offensive guys that have been, you know, standing out for us. On defense, we do have a couple guys coming back that have played a lot last year. Henry Wolf at outside linebacker and Willie Morrison um, for. But then after that, a lot of new faces. What's impressed me the most is the junior DBs. There's a group of, you know, four or five kids right now that have really. Kind of jumped out at us understand the game very passionate about football um great communicators and just kind of fun to be around you know i i would say they remind me of the group we had two years ago with you know stewart and harden and rittner and those guys they just they really love football and are passionate about it and mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of good things out of them we're gonna get one nice addition uh back this year jackson Oxenhurst, uh carson's little brother who plays lacrosse and is a standout lacrosse player uh, is going to be joining us. So he's been there about half the summer. He has a lot of lacrosse tournaments, but he'll be another name that you'll see on offense and defense, uh, similar athlete to his brother, and, you know, we're we're excited about him. And we'll, he'll see the field in, in some places and don't know exactly where it'll be yet, but he'll be on the field somewhere. So those guys are doing great. And then I think for the junior DBs, you know, there's like I said, there's four or five names, um, Savari, Herschley, uh, Kata, core boy you know just a lot of good juniors and we're excited about that
0: thanks as always to coach brian doll for joining us and thank you as always to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week always appreciate everybody's insight all right let's jump on over now we're going to stick on uh football here in the third quarter um where uh, we'll talk some football we're not going to get into a huge uh preview position by position break and all that kind of stuff yet um, we need to talk about something in August, obviously, but um, well, we get the uh, schedules coming out for um, this upcoming uh, season for both Loyola and uh, New Trier. Um Why don't we start with the Ramblers who start off their season on with the with the Sunday game, which is pretty interesting. Um, on ESPN, um, they are going to take on Saint Xavier from Ohio. Um, St. Xavier has won the division one, um, state football championship. I think it is four times, uh, since 2005 might be five times. If my, uh, research is correct. I forget exactly. I just wrote the story though. Um, but, um, so they'll start off against them. Then they have, uh, no opponent in week two, which is always interesting. Um, then they have a really, I feel like this stretch pretty much defines their season. You got St. Rita, brother, Rice Fenwick and Marist. Um, before you take on Providence, St. Pat's, and then you finish off the season hosting um, Mount Carmel. But Joe, um, that is quite the way to get the season started, Um, especially for a Loyola team that offensively has its quarterback back, has some good tight ends, but has new wide receivers and new running backs. And for a defense that only returns three starters from last year's team, um, I mean, that is just quite the start for this Ramblers team, uh, taking on a powerhouse team from Ohio like St. Xavier, and then you have to take on St. Rita, Brother Rice, Fenwick, and Marist. Um, and obviously they don't have a week two opponent, which will, which if that continues to be the case, um, will only hurt the Ramblers in their uh, playoff chances this postseason.
1: Yeah, this is fun. Um, it's fun talking about this again and, and just, you know, going back to um, – the Sunday ESPN game. How fun is that going to be on a, on a Sunday on ESPN team, uh, you know, powerhouse from another state. Uh, it's going to be so cool. Uh, so really looking forward to that matchup. That's just, uh, what football is all about. Yeah. High school football in my, in my mind, going to be a ton of fun. Um, but you know, you talked about how they got a lot to replace, but we know loyal, you know, we talked about this last year. Oh, what are they going to do here and there? They're just going to reload and, you know, talking to some people, um, you know, at the 7-7 seven, seven and, and kind of in the course of, of the summer, dude, loyal is going to be very good. They're going to be very good. They got, they got a college-level quarterback who's got experience uh, starting against these power teams in the, in the Catholic League. Um, <clears throat> now, their weapons, might you might not have heard of a lot of them since they graduated. Um, some guys, I'm, I'm, uh, Marco Santana, Marco, uh, the, the running back, of course, Marco Maldonado. Um, my goodness. Thank you. Marco Maldonado. Uh, but he was hurt most of the year. Um, Danny Collins, their leading receiver. But we they got a lot of receivers, some looks last year, um, some junior guys. They got a lot of running backs, some looks, too, as they were kind of searching for a replacement, including um, uh, the, the sophomore last year, Nimeshine, a rising junior. Um, and uh, they got Sterney and they got their tight ends who are both going to play college ball. The Jacks, Jack Parker and Jack Fitzgerald. Um, so I think this team's going to be loaded. I think their defense is just going to kind of re-up their, you know, Brooks Barr is back. He's a Michigan guy. Um, he's, you know, they're going to need two guys to block him. I, I don't know if he grew even more. He's already like six six three hundred. Um, 300. So uh, I'm excited to see what they're going to put out there and just how good they'll be. But I think they're going to be another wrecking ball and, and you're not going to want to play loyal like yeah
0: Yeah. I was at practice on Tuesday and just looking at Brooks Bar. I mean, you can just, see why he's going to Michigan just what a that, that that physique just that how tall he is how much weight he has and it's like lean weight and the way he moves on the line and that kind of stuff um you can tell why Michigan was quick to get on him and make sure that he was committed but um h- how concerned are you with that beginning I feel like the ending stretch um with when talking about how Hollis, a like, Hollis, like always talks about finishing strong and his team usually finishes strong which I would agree with that team usually does finish strong um, and you have a Providence will be better. St. Pat's was good. Mount Carmel obviously is Mount Carmel, but to start the season off with uh, matchups against St. Xavier, then you hit up, go to Rita, then you host brother rice, which uh, loses Jack Lash and obviously as a new coach and you know, that kind of stuff. But that team's very talented. You got mm-hmm. Fenwick, um, defending state title team who was replacing a lot from last year. And you got Marist uh, to uh, cap things off uh, on the road um, to end September. But I feel like that September month, the, the way you adjust and the way you perform that month pretty much will determine whether you are competing for. Well, I mean, at that point, you're pretty much determined whether you're going to be competing against Mount Carmel for a state title. But then you're also going to be trying to figure out, are you battling for, you know, a top seed in the 8 bracket? Are you going to be a middle tier team whose road might not be as easier had it been, you know, as a number one seed like they were last year?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good stretch, but. Uh, I mean, to be honest, Mike, I mean, when is it not in that league? Um, of course they're adding, they're adding a power from another state. I, I'm very interested to see who they add in that open week and week two, if at all, I, I, I get the feeling, at least I, I don't know. Um, when's the last time you talked to hal checker, if you talked about week two, but I, I just have gotten the feeling recently that he's getting pretty sick of people not wanting to play him. Maybe they don't fill that week at all and kind of deal with eight, eight marks on their schedule and see what that does. Um, but you know that could Would pop that up too.
0: Mean, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, so what does happen if they don't find the week two opponent? I mean, obviously that hurts their points, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't have um, opponents in that week. And uh, yeah, talking to him on Tuesday, he seemed pretty frustrated with the fact that no one wants to play him. Um, I get it. You don't want to play Loyola your, if you're a team that's not a top team. You probably don't want to play them because that just hurts your playoff chances. But at the same time, for other teams, I mean. Uh, I don't know. I feel like if you're playing, Loyola's playoff points are going to be good. So it's not like it's going to be terrible playoff points if you lose that game. Um, So I understand the frustration of, man, someone just needs to play us. It's kind of annoying that no one wants to play us. Um, Whether that be a top team in the state, like a Lincoln Way East, like we've always talked about, Mm -hmm. or whether that's another Catholic team or another um, maybe West suburban team or something like that. You figure someone would want to play Loyola just to, you know, get that battle, just get battle tested where, A lot of these teams are playing not easy schedules, but like schedules that could use some maybe tougher opponents. And I feel like Loyola would obviously be that tougher opponent for a lot of teams. So I get the frustration of why does no one want to play us in week two? Yeah, I do
1: too. And I just think there's there's cohorts of teams like subgroups that would want this game. Maybe a team that's plays in a really tough conference and knows they're they're not gonna go they're not going to make the playoffs. You know, they, they're, they're fine. They're a good team, but tough conference. So they'll finish three and six. Why not play Loyola and just try to get better. And maybe that is the leap you need to get to the five and four record, or the other subset would be a team that's going to go nine and one or nine and zero oh or eight and one. And maybe they got kind of a soft conference and they need to be battle tested for the playoffs. So they need to play a good team before, you know, at some point during the season just to be ready for a playoff push. Why wouldn't a team like what's the difference if a team's nine and oh and eight and one in whatever league? You know, if they know they have to be if their goal is a state title or a state run, they got to be battle tested to get there. Why not get that done early and feel good about it? I and plus it looks like loyola has got five home games on the schedule, so you might get them to visit you. Um, come to your home team, home, and it'll be a fun game. Um, I don't know, but I see both sides. I do because obviously those teams in the middle the ground, you never know taking a loss early in the season. Could it hurt you? Um, yeah, it might. So I don't know. I, I, I get the frustration. though. No, this is high school football. Don't we want to play the best easier said than done from the press box, but
0: uh,
1: okay. I'm with you and with Hollisek on that.
0: So what do you expect to happen with? I mean, obviously we're, we'll get into predictions and that kind of stuff later on in August, but um, with what brother Rice is bringing back, they're changing, of the guard Marist and Mount Carmel's improving, um, after a good season last year and they're bringing back a lot of talent. Um, what, what do you expect to kind of early kind of schedule look here, um, at what could potentially happen here, especially in September, um, that could kind of define whether the Ramblers are, you know, a top seed or whether they're going to be middle tier.
1: I mean, I, ex- I expect, you know, a very, a very good season on a Loyola Academy. I think it might be another year where they see the loss of somebody like uh, Maldonado and, you know, you know, some people like us, which, you know, legitimate say they've lost 10 of 11 starters or whatever it is, nine of 11, eight of 11 on the defensive end. And we're like, okay, they, they might struggle. I just don't see it happening. I think they have, uh, uh, I think they're confident have a lot of, from people I've talked to uh, are looking strong going into this year and, I think their offense is going to be something to mess with uh, something you don't want to mess with, with Sterney back there who remember can run. And he, he he's very precise when he does it um, can really gash you. So uh, maybe they open up that more if they're still looking for their, their um, their kind of ball carrier. Um, but I think they'll find it. I think they will be fine. I think this is going to be a pretty darn good football team.
0: All right, let's jump over to new Trier who uh, finished five and five last season. Um, lost their opening round matchup to Maine South. Um, they start this season at home against Hersey, then travel to the road to Stevenson and Palatine back to back, back weeks. Um, they got friend at home before they start conference play um, against Evanston, um, GBN, GBS, uh, Niles West. And it seems like always at this point now um, they end their season against Maine South. Um, Joe, what did you kind of see from that seven on seven? I know obviously you're not seeing the whole team. And honestly, what do you really what happens in seven on sevens in July really doesn't impact what's going to happen in the football season. But what what did you kind of see or what are some storylines that you kind of picked up um as we heard from Coach Dahl about uh what uh, they're expecting and uh heading into uh this fall?
2: Yeah,
1: you know, as Coach Dahl mentioned, they're they're looking for a lot of spots to fill. Um a team with a a very dynamic offense last year, struggled on defense, but, um, you know, nearly all their receptions are gone from last year. Um, their top five pass catchers all graduated plus their three-year starting quarterback. So they're looking for weapons And, and they're all conference running back. So they're, they're searching for weapons here and just ways to score the ball. And I think. Um, As Coach mentioned, he's high in a few guys, um, and it's looking like the sophomore Patrick Hennigan uh, has the um, upper hand right now in the QB race um, with uh, junior Dylan Jess, Jess, Jeppy. A righty and a lefty. So it's a fun little battle. Um, And uh, we'll see if if that holds true, but I think that's going to be a big part of it. How's Hennigan in a sophomore year? Uh, if he starts or, or just Jeppy because he's going to be a first year starter. Uh, how do they handle some of the pressures there? Because uh, varsity de- defenses, that varsity game is quicker, as we know. So I think they're going to kind of struggle to find their position, but um, really high on a couple of their other weapons, like Miles Cremiscoli, if you recognize that name, that's Nevin's little brother. Um, he looks every part of a number one wide receiver, and I just saw him for about an hour. Um, big athletic and physical, um, I think I think he's going to be good. I think he could be good. Got to give him a ball, but I think they're going to kind of trust him to make plays. Um, and some other spots to fill as well, but uh, defensive end, they got Ty Stringer coming back. He's a junior now, all-conference uh, d- uh, defensive lineman. Uh, they move him around quite a bit, just really athletic and physical, and he's going to be uh, right up there again. Um, so can they surround him? with guys to stop the run because they had a ton of trouble with that last year. And I know that'll be a priority.
0: Early look, obviously way too early, probably, but, um, I guess way too early would be like in December or January, but, um, <laughs> Maine South lost in a state title game last year. Um, and eight, a GBN and GBS always strong. Evanston always put together a strong team. Now West uh, might put a strong team together this year. Um, where does that, where does nature kind of land? Um, in the CSL South this year? Is it pretty much Maine South and then um, everybody else just trying to figure things out or can Nutria kind of contend um, with what Maine South is bringing in this year?
1: They're going to have to prove it first. I, I can't say that they will right now unless they prove it. You know, we last year we hoped they would, uh, but really Maine South put it on them offensively in both their matchups because they saw them in the postseason too. Um, so, you know, to, to keep up with all three of those teams, to be honest, this year, because, um, you know, Evanston took a big stride last year and so did GBS back to kind of their formidable ways of kind of the early 2010s. Um, they're going to have to stop the run um, and Evanston gashed them all over the field, but uh, they're going to have to stop be, be as stoppers on defense. So we'll see if they can do that. And I think that's really yet to be seen because we're going to see a lot of youngsters on that defensive unit.
0: All right, we'll obviously have more football talk as the weeks go on, but good to get some schedules out and to uh, talk some football as well. But let's run over now to the fourth quarter where we've got some, um, some notebook, maybe some storylines that we've got left over from um, the last couple weeks here. Um, why don't we start things off, Joe, with um, the new cheer. Uh, rugby team gets back on the pitch, finishes as uh, the state runner-up um what what, just take us through what that what that kind of was like for neutral rugby game back at it and uh finishing up in second place
1: yeah that's it's a fun little story just about how the rugby team um after a couple years of down numbers because of like directly because of of covid of course um and a year of not playing um kind of got their numbers back up to competitive level where they could play other teams and they have this kind of unofficial little state tournament with the rugby programs. Um, and Nutria had a great season. Um, they, I think they had 28 guys and they only lost to Glenbard West out here in Glen Ellen. um a couple times. That's the only team they lost to on their schedule. And the second loss came in the state championship game. Um, and, you know, talk to Coach uh, Paul Olson, telling me, Phil Olson telling me a little about how Glenbard West and Glen Ellen, you know, a, a lot of these teams are collaborations from local athletes um, just having more rugby players, more experience on the pitch and playing the game. And Nutrier kind of had more experience being athletes. So a lot of teams found it tough to score on Nutrier, um, just because, uh, you know, we had guys like Caden Minogue and, um, um, Jack Cummings kind of football players who were very good at tackling, very good at holding the line. And they did that a lot throughout the year. So, um, just a fun story about how they pulled it off and, uh, talk to the coach and Caden Minogue, who's an offensive lineman for the football team as well, about the fun season. It's just uh, cool that they got a rugby program and they're enjoying it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Cool little story. Make sure you check it out at therecordnorthshore.org. Um, the cheerboys Boys uh, water polo, some uh, players had uh, a fun little uh, trip. They went on a three-week trip to uh, Greece um, to compete in some for some ch- summer training and uh, vacationing um joe and i got a chance to catch up with some of the guys um a, a, a cool little thing uh obviously to go off to greece and spend some mm-hmm. time there and obviously get some uh vacationing i wish i had that kind of uh great vacation being able to gr- go to greece and uh, spend some time in that mediterranean sun
1: i have been to greece uh Uh, we went on our honeymoon. It was awesome. Uh, quite a place to spend a summer, um, some of the summer weeks and, you know, Nutria water polo got to do it fresh off a state championship here in the States. Um, they take that feeling abroad, um, and, you know, coach, the head coach of that program, it's actually the Nutria aquatics water polo program, um, which has mostly Nutria guys also some from some other programs in the area. Um, Coach AK is the coach of that. Um, and he used to play professionally in Greece. So they kind of visited his, that town where he used to play and they play a lot of preps programs over there as well. And, uh, he talked about how it's very good water polo over there. You know, they, they kind of focus on that a little more than they do here in the States and, uh, you, you get a different, uh, idea of how to play the game and, and how they play the game and that can only help you in your future. So, and you get to do that, like you said, uh, in the Mediterranean area, uh, um, around the Mediterranean and uh, enjoy that sun and everything Greece has to offer. So pretty cool.
0: Yeah, definitely very cool. Congrats to them, obviously, for state championship, also being able to uh, travel and uh, get to see some cool sights, um, enjoy some of their summer vacation abroad. Um, we had some summer basketball take place, as always, obviously, summer league and uh, seven-on-sevens are a staple here for uh, the summer in the high school scene. Um, new Trier game back into it looking for a new identity here after graduating so many seniors um, they're gonna change up that the way that they're uh, uh playing a little bit here um, after a season uncharacteristic season where new Trier finished twelve and fifteen and three and seven in the conference uh Joe just uh, seems like uh, Terry rogers is mixing things up here um, with new Trier, especially in the summer at least working some things out yeah we
1: had um um, our freelancer Caleb out there to check out the boys and the girls in some summer league action getting in their work which they do in June then they kind of switch back to the the um, travel play in July but um, new chair girls look looked for a new offense um, coach Terry Rogers has them looking at a more perimeter oriented offense shooting the basketball um, obviously they didn't have their their best season last year a little disappointing so Uh, trying to rebuild and regroup and see what they can put back out there. They got a couple exciting players and Kate Sicaro and Rachel Zachs that that can do a little bit of everything, uh, including on the defense, bend of the floor, two way players. I think they're going to be pretty good. Um, um, These are younger players. um, So coming up, they're going to have to, you know, assume leadership roles soon. And I think when they do that, um, we're going to see kind of a rejuvenated new cheer club. If not this year, we'll see some strides and maybe in a couple of years, we'll see, them back to that sectional contender type team so hopefully um but they're putting in the work
0: all right and we're going to cap things off here with the podcast uh with uh, kind of a nice little story obviously i'm sure everyone who's listening is well aware of the shooting that happened on july 4th at highland park joe has done a lot of great coverage um for the record north shore so make sure um you c- subscribe and follow him there and do some um a lot of great work there done by joe um and the record, uh, community just being able to put stuff together but I know you got a chance to cover um a baseball game between Highland Park and the Wilmette Waves where um you know despite everything that happened obviously just um all the horrific things that happened um on that day and then past week um getting a chance to you know play a baseball game kind of provided uh, I don't know maybe a moment of um getting away from it all and just you know focusing on baseball and focusing on a single or a double or a, you know, a strikeout as opposed to everything else that we have been focusing on over the past week. But, um, a really cool scene, Joe, I know you covered it. Um, just watching Highland Park and Wilmette kind of come together and, uh, you know, take some time away from reality and just play a baseball game.
1: Yeah. Very, um, a very tragic and, uh, upsetting and angering and and a lot of things reality. It was, it is, currently so this was you know this doubleheader was only two days after um the mass shooting and you know I wasn't even sure it was going to happen I'm sure many people did but you know talking to nutrient coaches uh you know they asked the same questions and, and Highland Park wanted to play um and it was a welcome distraction if only for four hours and that's what it was and it was playing playing baseball um just getting on the field and Enjoying the game you love, and also, uh, you know, enjoying some time with your neighbors. I know they had afterward they had some pizza and um, other other food. They had a meal, shared a meal together, um, as kind of just a comfort um, togetherness type of thing, um, which was really great to see. And there's nothing that fixes it. it, you know. That's not the point of it. It's it's a distraction. I think everybody realizes that. No one's trying to solve any real world issues at a baseball doubleheader. But if you can do something like that, if only for a couple hours, why not? And that was the point of it. And I think it was successful in that context. So um, it was cool. And it was cool being there. And I talked to a couple Highland Park parents, as I've talked to many, many in Highland Park uh, over the past couple 10 days. And uh, they were glad to be there. And, you know, one father told me, you know, he doesn't care who's son playing. He's happy to watch a baseball game.
0: Yeah, it was cool, obviously, for them to share a a meal, um, the way his parents came through with food and also had uh, two Highland Park Strong banners printed. I know a lot of players, if not all the players, uh, had uh, orange ribbons on and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was a really cool, really cool moment where you kind of come together. I mean, obviously, at Highland Park and Nutrior so rivals, obviously, in different divisions, but Um, play against each other but at the same time I mean you just realize that I mean it's just a game it's just especially in the summer it's just a baseball game Um, and it provided a really cool opportunity just to you know come together um, at least for a couple hours forget about what's going on and just uh, um, just have some fun with some baseball before going back to reality but um, a lot of cool stuff happening there um, in the community for Highland Park um very cool to watch everyone come together and a lot of great reporting from joe here so make sure you are checking out all his work at the record that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the varsity podcast thank you as always for listening just a quick reminder before we say goodbye that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available uh apple itunes spotify android um wherever the kids are listening to podcasts we are hopefully there if not then let us know uh, send us a TikTok or Yak or whatever it's going on and let us know what uh, is happening. Um, and we'll make sure to get the podcast there. Make sure to check out uh, my stuff at Friday Night Drive. I'm doing a nice little CCL uh, camp tour, going around different camps, checking things out, checking out some seven on sevens as we get ready for the football season. As much as we, uh, um, it's always a conflicting feeling because you obviously love the summer, it's the best time of the year, but at the same time, you're excited for football in the fall. So, conflicting but we've got your stuff there so check out our stuff at friday night drive and as always check out everything that joe is putting together here at the record north shore his continued uh, highland park coverage and also everything else that is happening in the north shore area so for joe and i thanks so much for joining us next week and we will talk to you guys on the road see ya
1: Thank you for listening to the varsity uh, product of the record, Northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.